Today's chat is brought to you by, well, all of your support. Through the patronage you provide the Focus Fire chat team through Podbean's crowdfunding, we are able to provide you with the weekly podcast as well as the website and other aspects of Focus Fire chat. If you have any interest in becoming a patron of the FFC, please be sure to visit our website and click on the support link. Even a single dollar helps. And for those of you who are already patrons, thank you again for your generosity. Welcome to Focus Fire Chat. Explore together. Welcome to Focus Fire Chat, recorded live on May 1st, 2020, over on twitch.tv slash focusfirechat. As always, I want to give a big shout out to our live chat here with us tonight. Thank you so much for joining us once again. This week's episodes are going to be focused around exploring NPC dialogue in game worlds. I'm not going to call this the advanced session because, well, it's just continuation of our shenanigans. Though we are going to talk about 1890 D&D dialogue, I think is the... uh, the conversation that we're going to have a little bit on here. But before we go any further, let's run through a quick introduction of who we have with us on the show. As always, this is your host, Blue Crew 86. This is the completely burned out on Forges, but I have that triumph done, so I don't have to go in them anymore. Green Eye Music Lover. <laughs> she sounds so excited. It's just, I like Forges, but no. How many low scores have you handed out today? I have not handed out any low scores. I didn't have anybody just trying to farm laurels. Like, okay, I get the whole far, lore, farming the laurels cheese thing where you just kill the yellow bars over and over to extend the timer. But when you're in there with blueberries, you just don't... You're making it last longer than it needs to. I didn't need any <laughs> laurels. I just needed the thing completed. So, Kate, thanks, don't do that. Thanks to do that. Well, <laughs> we also have with us as guest co-hosts Serena Bezos and Infermage, uh, Morgan and Josh. How are you guys doing? I'm just. Let, I don't know what you you're talking who talks about. When. Okay, yeah, oh. that's that's fair. Uh, yeah, I don't. Yeah, so I'm just like I'm just amused and enjoying the conversation, even though I have no <laughs> idea what's going on. <laughs> that's me a lot of the time. So you're in good company. Hey, no, Josh, it's, how are um, you? An event thing. Um, I don't know. I got distracted with forges, and I forgot what the question was. <laughs> I think they're just asking how you were. <laughs> Who uh, you play a warlock, right? I do. Okay, just checking. <laughs> I got distracted with I, forges. I, I feel like I should be offended by that. No, comment, no, no. Okay, okay. No, no. <laughs> I'm just. Giving you grief, you were talking about how a uh, hunter shouldn't be really working on stuff and doing their own things, and it's just like warlocks. It's just the funny stereotype things I guess we're going through <laughs> nowadays that turns into toxicity at any point. So, yeah, you do what you can. Mm. So, anyways, eighteen nineties D and D. Let's do it. I want to I wanna know Let's... more about this, Morgan. Oh, so Mask of the Red Death is actually a second edition D um, uh, module. Um, but so basically it focuses on using D&D systems going into, but using 1890 settings. So like you'll play, you'll all play humans because the other races don't exist when, when it comes to this, but you'll be facing things like Jack the Ripper or vampires or werewolves. So very, uh, uh, vampire hunter sort of like esque literary type 
Yeah, so it, it, it's based off of the poem Mask of the Red Death by Edgar Allan Poe, um, where it talks about like this like this evil force that's slowly seeping into society and you as a group are trying to stop it. So, um, and this force is like, you know, infecting part of like this weird, some of you are part of this like circle where you're, you know, you're invisible to the Red Death, but you're like fighting the good side and trying to be a part of it and your magic caster. And then they have arrows who basically are just their guardians. It's, it's fun. Um, I play a, I play a cleric in that game, but surprise, surprise. It's, it's called a metaphysician. <laughs> Actually, no, it's called a mystic physician. It's a different okay. title. But basically it's a life domain cleric. And um, in short, <laughs> um, I, well, the way a player, because uh, the game style itself the curandera or Mexican folk healer from South Texas. Are you? Uh, is it taking place in like the northern North America air, uh, region, yeah, so or are you guys in like Europe? Decided to use eight, the Boston in the eighteen nineties, eighteen ninety Boston. So we actually got like an old map, kind of know the layout and stuff. But um, yeah. nice. the, the story behind her is that she was learning because her grandma raised her, her abuela. Then eventually, her her grandma fell to dementia and then like passed away. Um, uh, one of her grandma's old friends came to visit once she heard she passed. Um, but then the character character went on like some sort of like pain induced weird, you know, like whenever you're so so much in pain, you get hallucinations, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that sort of thing. So she that sort of helped awaken her powers as um, she does, and then seeing dreams of going to the north from her grandma every single night. So eventually she went to Boston. Nice blue. Do you have any questions about the eight, 1890s yeah, campaign? Yeah, I'm, I'm you... curious, like, how, like, how do you, so are you, so you're just a player in that? I'm a, I'm a, I'm a player in that one. Okay. So how, like, I guess, how does that DM run it differently than you would, I mean, because it sounds like an obvious question, but how do you run it differently f- than you would a, your average uh, D&D or tabletop? Like, what do they do anything special to help the atmosphere differ? I think um, for him, he talks a lot about air, and then there's just that buy-in that we all have where we all understand, like, hey, this is this is the 1890s. Well, it's not going to be, like, strictly the 1890s that we know it as today, but more like a 20 mindset in 1890s sort of situation, because I play... I play someone from like my culture who is a she's a Mexican folk healer, so she's indigenous to Texas. Um, we have another character who plays who comes from a, a Korean family who's her family's a doctor and she just graduated college. So it's a lot more of a very liberal mindset than like this is the 1890s where women were just there and men did all the talking, or you know, just it's mm-hmm. it's a very different like it, it plays a more. That's more palatable for us as players instead of being like plastic. Right, right. So it's more of a modernistic version of the 1890s. But like, so like, does he do or does do they um do they have like a specific way of like doing dialogue for the characters that are different than like your average NPCs in your normal games, or do they kind of is it just using that underlying understanding from everyone that kind of colors the conversations? He'll do voices on occasion, like um, for example, um, we fight some we fight some white supremacists, which was fun. And um, one of the leaders was a, a, a man from the south, so he had a very southern accent. And so, 
our DM actually put off like, now listen here, I think you're going to die by the end of the night. We're going to be fighting. Those are always fun. I'm just curious with the, when I think 1890s, I think industrial era, right? Like that's that kind of sort of flavor that you get from that time frame. And I automatically almost always go to steampunk in my mind. Is he doing a steampunk thing or is it? No, no, no steampunk here. Um, But yeah, Uh, it's, it's very more like, and I am such a nerd when it comes to historical stuff. I'm like, I get it right. But like Morgan, no one cares. I'm like, no, I must, I must look into this. So I actually, I, on my end, I actually did research in regards to like clothing and like, you know, outfits. And then like, just, I don't know. I just, I did a lot. Of- nice. So what's your character's name? Mm-hmm. Names How do they Ign- talk? Name's Ignacia. And um, I think she, just because of who she is, she has a more of a softer tone. It's like a fir- firm soft. I don't know. That makes just something that sits on the back of the throat, and she speaks slowly. And more weighted. Yeah, it definitely has more weight to it for her because yeah. she she tries to be more picky about her words and how she talks, and more. You know, just all right, cool. We're if we're gonna do this, we're gonna do this the right way. But she she knows she's like one of the few who actually knows magic. Okay. Because because it's basically it's a four person player game. Um, it's I have her, and mm-hmm. or the 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 Korean um, American one I was talking about. Um, her name is Agnes. She plays essentially quote unquote. Um, it's called a metaphysician in the game. Mm-hmm. It has bard like powers, but she doesn't play like a bard. She plays it like a skeptic. So she was the type that always went to all the the occult shows and whatnot, and like you know like boo this is fake because of this and like <laughs> right so nice. so She's anytime the... she started doing magic um she actually was like no it's hypnotism or like oh i'm just i'm hallucinating and like she would always like find a rational reason why this magic is happening on her um now that That's we're in like fun fun little quirk to have for a character probably oh, yeah. and, go go for it sorry let's say now that we're like in like into like our third season however she's like Right, I guess I do magic, but I'm not a fan of it. <laughs> she's she she's accept she's almost she's accepting at this point, but she's not like blue. Well, I was going to say, so you guys mentioned uh, like quirks and stuff like that. Um, huh. Do you guys find that doing that assists with uh, developing your own like dialogue or your understanding of the dialogue that characters have? Um, I'm thinking here, like, especially not just for role-playing, but for, like, story writing, too. Like, when you're trying to figure out the character's voice or whatever, um, does having that kind of build out in your head, do you find that helps or hinders, you know, the process? Again, these are questions that, like, as I'm asking them, I feel like I know the answer, but I want to ask them anyways, just in case you guys have a surprise for me. So, like, with the... uh, I, I, they're not necessarily character flaws, but like character quirks or character, uh, character like specific, unique characteristics. How do you think that plays into um, developing dialogue? Like, is it a is it a big part of that? Is it a like not very essential part of it? What would you say? I mean, I think that's a pretty essential part of building them out as a person, mm-hmm. um, rather than just uh, a 
box of information. Right. Uh, but I also have a tendency to overthink a lot of my characters, and I have to like NPCs in like a game. Like if if a player finds someone interesting, then I'm, then like later on, I have to use downtime to all of that to like better develop them next time. I don't know. Morgan Morgan's better with like the live kind of stuff. <laughs> I do like I I do do things on the fly. Josh has played on my table. I- a couple times so times you just gotta go go with that and you're like okay cool um yeah that's why sometimes i'll ask for breaks like okay let's take like a uh five minute bio break and then like during that time like oh shoot what are we doing i'm just in the bathroom just staring in the mirror like what's going on (laughs) (laughs) oh how my dms keep asking about breaks (laughs) i feel bad now We gotta, we gotta take a minute. So that's why we say, oh, yeah, let's do a bio break. So we're like, okay, cool. <sighs> you know, on my Monday game, like, that happens <laughs> so many times. And like, they're, like all of us at the table, we're just looking around like, no, we're good. Let's keep going. <laughs> I know we, just had, we just had our break five minutes ago. Oops. What's going on? Oh... <laughs> <laughs> uh... That cracks me up. But your DM's like new to your shenanigans. Give him time, okay? <laughs> I know. Be nice, I know that makes John. me feel real bad now. <laughs> Give him a chance. He's trying. <laughs> so, so, side note, um, Monday, because uh, I don't know if the bar we play at uh, basically has like 12 different DMs and whatnot. Um, their DM believed quickly because he got a job promotion. So we found a new DM to stick in for the table, but he's new to the whole thing. Like he's never played there before or anything like that. So oh, wow. So he's like, he's like completely. Oh, yeah. So, you know, we, you know, he, I think joined your table the first game just to like, see how like it went. And then like, <laughs> talk to us afterwards. Table. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. So, yeah. And then he like, came running the table, like the next game. And we're like, yeah, like, he ran uh, two games and then everyone, Everything went into quarantine, so it's been super fun. Uh, oh, <laughs> he's been right really now? like, yeah, okay, yeah. So he's actually a very good DM, but good. like, but yes, I feel bad now that I should give him more breaks. <laughs> I should give him more breaks. I'm just impressed that he's he came back for a second round. Surprise, yeah. Well, like, he was able to hang out with us after. Um, he got to play and like see it and talk to us. And I basically messaged him like, I was like, how do you, f-? cause I, I don't play or I don't run games was anymore. Josh nice. yeah. <laughs> I was like, how did it go? Is everything okay? Cause what I do there now is cause I, I played and I ran tables and now just cause I'm so busy with podcasts and whatnot. I'm just like, I, I can't. So I basically do like the HR stuff where like, I make sure we get players for the tables. If they need someone to talk to and they can't talk to their DM or the bar owner, they can come to me. <laughs> That's cool. Just like, you know, I just try to be a friendly face so people say hi to my friends. So, like, but, um, yeah, so basically I was like, hey, how, how, how did it go? Everything good? Okay, cool. All right. Good <laughs> are are we going to see you next week? <laughs> Please tell me. I don't want to randomly run a table because I will do that, too. Like, if a DM can't play, run for a second, I'm like, all right, cool. I guess I'll run the table. All right. <laughs> I suppose. That's funny. Do you mean running a table as in taking over for another DM? 
when um, a group comes in or yeah, like for example, um, like what, like what, a DM gets sick that day and they're around that table that night for that bar for the bar, and their players are still looking to play, and none of the players themselves want to take on the role or anything like that. I'll step in and be like, "All right, give me some notes. Let me figure this out." <laughs> so, in the in that case, is it like a long term campaign, or is are these more like that one shot um, squirrel campaign where you kind of know the beats of the story that you're going to be telling, but you're still having to develop it out. I'm having to continue on that story. Kind of like whenever you watch a TV show and there's a guest writer for that episode. Okay. So like all of you, season five of Supernatural. <laughs> yeah. Uh, season five was the last. <laughs> or season, season six. Season oh. six. Season six. There you go. There you go. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say Sorry. season three I couldn't remember. Heroes, I couldn't remember. But like... <laughs> Um, but it's it's kind of like that. I mean, a lot of DMs will tell me what they need to be run. Like, oh, during this game, I was going to do this. Or like, um, oh, this is what happened, so carry on. I'm like, okay, cool. Like, one DM says, like, hey, they're on a travel bit from A to B. All the blanks. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Well, um, get an owlbear companion, because I said so, and there you go. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, actually, sometimes that's, that's all the players need. That's all they want most of the time. <laughs> Not gonna lie, that in a good flight. You get a baby a... owlbear because you kill all the owlbear's family. So, oh, um, that's take a care terrifying now. little tyke right there. Yeah, I know. Um, that's actually a pretty decent segue into if you are taking on, say, obviously in a D and D setting, you're taking on a story that somebody else has already started create, has already created, and is continuing. And the NPCs that you're taking on from them may or may not be the same NPC, depending on the story that you're telling that evening. But if you were to take on, say, an established story like Supernatural, and you have to write for these characters, how do you, how would you take on the challenge of getting not only the voicing down right? Because at that point, there's your, there's already something there that everyone's hooked onto. How do you kind of prepare yourself to take on those characters' voices? Yeah, Josh, how Hope do I you don't. do that? <laughs> how do you do that, Josh? I mean, I don't do that. <laughs> However, <laughs> you know fanfic? It's like a great tool to prepare for this. <laughs> Sometimes it's just you good know. to like just just practice other people's other people's properties' voices and <laughs> Getting into that is is good for being flexible, I guess. Okay. Is there a character voice that you've stepped into that you really enjoy writing as or for that would be recognizable for a more populous group? Is there a Destiny character that you've fanfic written before? Oh, it's been a long time for me. How about you, Morgan? <laughs> <laughs> Subtle. Subtle. <laughs> Super subtle. Mike, click. <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh my god. Okay, we're actually not going to get an answer on that one. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think, but like, all my NPCs are. And I haven't really. Now like, it's time for a break. <laughs> Can we have a bio break, like, five minutes? Like, just so I can come back to this question. I'll tell you mine, Josh, if you tell me yours. I'm good. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, 
Blue, have you done any sort of writing like that or like stepped into another character? Mm-mm. No, I make no? a habit of not doing that. Uh, any, Is there anything... a reason why? Or... Uh, I don't like it. Uh, okay. It, it, like, kind of like what Josh was saying is, like, with his, like, you know, overthinking characters, I already think, like, a lot about the character voice that I have running. So it actually, it's a weird form of, like, cognitive dissonance for me to try to take over another person's character because I'm, like, the the entire time I would basically be sitting there trying to figure out, is this, you know, it, it, it would be the entire thing is self-doubting. Like, I don't, like, I couldn't, I couldn't, I wouldn't be able to write because I would be so concerned with doing the character quote unquote justice for their, their stuff. Um, it would, it would probably like impose on me a a writer's block basically. I mean, I I think the easiest way, the easiest way is to say the cognitive dissonance because I I wouldn't be able to get into that character's headspace. Like that's why, go, go for it. But isn't that kind of the the fun thing about stepping into a role is that you are better learning that that role in some ways. You you're not necessarily taking over the exact copy per se because obviously you can't necessarily, but you're going to have the beats or the stereotypes for that character be your guide. At least that's how I've done it when I've written for other characters. Right. Yeah, and I like so like there's this weird thing where like logically I understand what you're saying. Um mm-hmm. that's like when I write I really like playing like play by posts, uh mm-hmm. because I feel like I'm a little bit stronger with text based communication. Um so like with the way I write is I, I really try to, you know, for lack of a better term, embody what I'm writing. Um mm-hmm. that's why I can't do I, I can't do like parody. Like that's why I have a lot of respect for people who do parody. You know, RP accounts like what we were talking about a little bit with you know the Destiny RP accounts. Um, you know, I I cannot do that. Like that's not something I. All my characters that I've ever written are all uh, original characters. Like they're I've never been able to take a character. Like even when I run uh, DM uh, games and do NPCs, I actually generally will rewrite NPCs with my own versions of them. Like, if they give you a cookie-cutter NPC, for the most part, most of the ones that I've played that have significance have been rewritten by me. Because okay. I have to I have to take them and I have to make them... Uh, I have to make sense of what they're doing and why they're doing it. Like, if, it, right. if, it's, just, if it's just like a 2D, you know, goblin or whatever, no, I don't do that. But, like, if it's a character where the intent is that the character is going to be a larger part of the story, that character, I can't just take... Even even with D&D and stuff, like, I can't just take a cookie-cutter character. Like, it, it's very difficult for me to do that. But there's there's a moment when you're looking at these characters, and you since you know their background... I'm going to use Zavala as an example, even though Zavala mm-hmm. is not a character I've ever written for. But... You know his history, you know his background, you know kind of it's what we do in the show where we break apart what he's his motives and his feelings and his emotional state that we can tell based off of the information we have. You can take that and kind of create your own miniature story knowing those those beats and how he feels in that. Correct. And I would I find that 
like character analysis i i'm really good with and i know it's a weird like hair split on that term like character analysis i find that i can do really well with stuff like that but even that like even creating a character like i i don't know i i again i logically i understand the point like i do um but i couldn't i can't like my brain locks up when it comes down to that because i just basically again i keep going into the understanding the motivation of not just what's being said about what's being done by that character at the time and since i didn't develop that character i i feel like i don't have i don't have a insight into that character okay if that makes sense it does it's almost as if you have too much respect for the writer to ever take on another character's shoes. Yeah, I mean there there is there is that. I, I I would ascribe it more to, you know, like what Josh was saying about thinking too much about the character. Like I I don't cuz I get really bugged out when um characters make uncharacteristic like sudden changes, which is why I can't stay with TV shows for a long time is because as soon as a writer changes, generally characters will you know, follow suit. Um, and like, it, it bugs me. So like, if I'm the one that's doing that, I'm like, it's, it's like, I am causing my own consternation at this, this, you know, artistic form, which is, uh, yeah. Long answer for that. Makes sense. Josh and Morgan, do you guys have any instances where you feel like you can or cannot step into another character i know josh you, we were kind of joking a little bit about writing fan fiction but do you do you feel like you can jump into most characters or are there certain characters that you'd be like nope never going there i mean for me it's more just about familiarity with the character and how comfortable i am with that character mm-hmm. um i mean i will go ahead and admit that i wrote animorphs fanfic like that was nice. the that was the big thing oh, that i tobias. was into in middle school did you write tobias because no, Rachel was a bad. I mean, she was, but Tobias <laughs> like, is really cool. Tobias. Oh, <laughs> he was the heartthrob. You gotta love Tobias. He was a bird. <laughs> he was a heartthrob. I like that. He was sensitive. We were way I knew too I liked you for a reason, Green. <laughs> but so, like, especially with animorphs. Like it was, it's it was kind of freeing to find out. Like when I got older, that like all of those books were actually pretty much ghostwritten, mm-hmm. and like is just this whole collection of different people writing these same characters. Um, Which so I guess made, that felt kind of that freeing. made it make so much more sense too. Yeah, it does because there yeah. was not a continuous storyline going on. Well, really, not even that, but mm-hmm. the style, like the style, right. which like because I thought it was. I actually thought it was because um, they wrote from like was it five different points of view, but but as soon as that was, I was like, oh, that makes so much mm-hmm. more sense. Yeah, but then it's this, it's like it's the same thing with like comic books too. Like um, the switch writer is on what book and with what characters, um, and I guess mm-hmm. I don't know. Like I guess like when I was younger, like I had more of a tolerance for that kind of stuff. And now I have writers that I don't like, mm-hmm. um, but it's not necessarily the same character that comes across at that point. Yeah, but still, for me, like it still feels like a like a free thing that I could 
do if I wanted to. Um, mm-hmm. It was less of like a, like, this is a big thing that's so well established that I can't touch it. Gotcha. Hmm. So what fanfic did you write? I I write Petra. I write as Petra <laughs> on Twitter for the most part. And she has had many shenanigans. And she's actually, I mean, you as you write as a fanfic writer, the character obviously takes on kind of different feelings. And I've tried really hard to stick to the events that are going on in Destiny at the time that I'm writing her. So uh, when I first started it, it really had to do with the death of Cade and her role in the reef with Mara being gone and whatnot. And then it changed as Mara came back into the scene and her role now that basically all the guardians have stopped going to the dreaming city. Everything has affected how she reacts, even though we haven't had any new dialogue from her in almost what a year and a half now Mm -hmm. in game. She's continued to grow in my mind. And that's one of the more, intricate ways i guess i interact with the game is that i i don't think about just the character dialogue that we have i do the dangerous thing of thinking about okay what are they continuing to feel like what are mm-hmm. what's going on with callus now and it kind of just helps you remember that there are these different characters out there that have things still going on they're not just static but what is going on with callus and also what is this twitter handle <laughs> I actually haven't written on Twitter for her in a long time. Not seriously, at least. It's been like fun, silly stuff. But I, I've i kind of moved away from Twitter and moved into Discord and more long format. Because 140 characters or whatever it is now, 180, <laughs> is just oh, yeah. not long enough. Yeah, it's that not limiting of Zanika. <laughs> it is, it is. But you also get really good at picking your words carefully mm-hmm. to mean exactly what you want them to mean. Anyway. I can see that, yeah. It is It is definitely a art form in and of itself. Twitter? Or... Well, yes. Twitter RPA. in general. Yeah, well, yes, yes, and yes. Mm-hmm. Twitter is an art form in and of itself that I will never understand because it's whatever. RPing is definitely an art art form, but RPing on Twitter is in and of itself this like really interestingly weird art form. Like I, I really actually re- uh, respect the people who can pull it off because, and there's a couple accounts on there that are really fun to follow. There's a Marasov account that I absolutely adore. She is a, a marvelous writer and does a very good job of bringing some humor to Mara without breaking the character which is hard to do like having some sort of snark in there that isn't necessarily demeaning like we get as a character in game as or as a guardian in game we always get kind of more of that either somber tone Mm -hmm. from her or a little bit of snark that's slightly degrading at the same time (laughs) speak yes ghost not happy with her but (laughs) Oh god. She does I forgot she adds, about that. Right? Oh my gosh, Ghost is just not happy. But you get the moments um from good writers who can take that character and you put them in a slightly different setting and still manage to keep the voice but flesh out a little bit more personality rather than just this 2D thing that you get in game. It's, I find it super impressive. I can't find you her Twitter. She's still fairly active. And somebody else what about you, Morgan? Um, I think 
it's really hard to talk into somebody else's voice. Um, I actually just got a voice acting role for this one. It's an actual play podcast, but they've got enough people where they actually are doing like side stories of the NPCs. I'm doing the voice for Big Millie, who runs the Funplex. And she used to be an ice trucker back down in the town of Revenant in Alaska, where the, the game takes place. And so going on for like a year and a half now or so. And mm-hmm. this NPC has been like rotating in and out of that game. And so while I'm taking on the voice of this character, I'm like, she's sound. And it's like, she's like, oh, you know, just strong and like no bullshit, like sort of character. And I'm just like, you want me to voice her? <laughs> you sure? <laughs> I don't, because, you know, it's always been the same. Um, keeper is the game game facilitator. For Monster of the Week, it's called a, the person's called a keeper instead of a dungeon master. Mm. And so um, it's been the same person running this character, like as this NPC, and now hearing, like, giving voice to this character as someone else. I'm going to screw this up so badly. Like, (laughs) (laughs) going to be awful. But um, we actually uh, were able to hear some of the pieces that we worked on today. And maybe I'm still self conscious of my own voice because it's not my character. So it's not like really my voice, technically. But it's. Isn't that a fun challenge, though? Or do you find that more draining than like a a good challenge or like a good reward for it to create that kind of voice? I say it is a challenge, but also it's frustrating because I don't want to screw it up for the other per- for that person. Mm. Like I'm just like this isn't mine, so like if it was mine, I'd be like eh, whatever. This is what the voice they have now. I don't care. But now yeah. since I'm doing it for somebody else, I'm like, oh, it must be perfect. Oh no! Mm-hmm. Like when I was recording my lines, because whenever you do voice acting, apparently it's not like when you do like actual plays or anything like that where you're bouncing off emotions oh, no. to one another. Do it, it by yourself. Mm-hmm then you gotta just go with it. Yeah. So I'm just like, how do I get this emotion and like feeling? And so I'm, I think I did like five takes of my lines. Cause I was just like, I'm sorry, editor. I'm, I just, I think that's uh, the best way to do it though. Especially if you're providing, um, I call them dry, dry dialogue back to the, whoever's the producer, the sound tech. And it gives you a chance when you're recording multiple takes to at least give the, them options of this is all the different variants. I can see this character feeling in this mo- in this moment, like this is how, it, how she would go across, pick the one that goes closest to what the other character was like the actual voice actor or the one you're taking over for that moment. I, I would find that more comforting, I think. It's just, it's, it's a lot, especially it's our first time ever doing voice acting stuff in general. So just like, no, I must do this right. And then like, we actually did a, um, a read through at first, just so we can get a feel like, you know, at least all of us talk to each other at first and then like, just get a, just a, just a a week read through of how we're all like going to read it and stuff. The acts, I did a lot, a lot more of a Southern accent than I did for the actual show. And then I was like, Oh, I don't know. Maybe and then decided just to nix a southern accent and then then now like the guy who plays her brother kind of has a southern accent. I was like, ah, oh, wish we talked. <laughs> I could have done it too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, it's just like it's like oh. I think it's just it's I, a thing. <laughs> yeah, 
I think at this point, it, since we're split down the middle on like taking on another person's character and voicing it being kind of a fun experience versus a challenging and slightly maybe scary experience. And I, I don't know if, I don't think that's a bad thing. I think it's, it's good that there are both kinds of people able to not only step into those roles and kind of feel the empathetic empathy for those characters, not just on the um, AB side, but actually kind of take on it and just be that AA side and feel it more like, unfortunately like Heath Ledger or there are characters that I would never step into. I would never want to write for the Joker because you have so many different variables of Joker at this point, right? Like you have the Mm -hmm. Jack Nicholson, you're different actors for that when you're creating those voices. I don't know there. I don't think I would like to step into some of those roles, villains in particular. It's real easy to go into. I guess that's the other question too, is like, do you find it easier to step into the role if the role is a, is a hero or a villain? Like, do you find it? Cause like, you know, the other thing for me, for me, it's like when you talk about stepping into roles, it's, it's like generally across the board, it doesn't matter if it's a hero or villain. It's because I can't, I can't lock down the, you know, the, the cognition of that particular character. But, Mm -hmm. you know, like what you just said there is like, would it be easier for you to step into the role if it was a hero? I mean, obviously you are. I would have, yeah, yeah. certain types of villains I would have an easier time with. Mm -hmm. Um, Villains that are more, this is going to be super stereotypical, uh, manipulative women. I am, I rather enjoy writing. But, um, like, there's a character from a book series, the Kushel's Dart series, Melisande. I mm-hmm. actually really enjoy writing her hair character because she's a smart, very, mm-hmm. m- very, very manipulative woman and is able to create situations with long plays, kind of like a Mara character. I, I in some ways, I see Mara as a villain type character, even though I she's see the ar- I can see the argument side. for that, yeah. Well, arguably, currently. Right. But, like, I can more easily step into, I think, the characters that are duty-bound rather than a quote-unquote hero character. Because a lot of times heroes don't necessarily follow the rules or anything like that. And duty-bound ones don't necessarily as well. They're just more, they have a excuse to act the way they do rather than just the noble way out. Mm-hmm. Josh, do you have any? Do you, you said you were pretty okay with writing just about any character? Oh my is god, there... I am so good at villains. Yeah, <laughs> this is what? why we I don't trust no you. <laughs> <laughs> You're a bard. You're a bard. <laughs> I don't see how that's related. <laughs> of course you don't. <laughs> Is there a particular type of villain you like to write more than others? Um, it's easier to like the intelligent, manipulative villain is more fun. Like I, I don't know. I, I tried like like I don't know Power Rangers kind of bumbling villain. Yeah, and the like Monster that was a bad villain. time. Yeah, that was a bad yeah, time. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like that hurt my soul. Um, <laughs> but other villains are way more fun. I gotcha. Is there a particular, I guess you would call them hero types that you feel more comfortable writing or 
do you like to are are you that person who likes to write those gray jedi characters that are s- supposedly in the middle or the like our guardian characters i feel like i have a lot more like especially with writing i have a lot more fun with the more like the people like if they're side, the people who aren't really in the spotlight and are more like in the background um mm-hmm. because then yeah. there's less responsibility and i can just do whatever <laughs> i want well okay. josh going down that like the uh am i allowed to talk about the project that you and my wife are working on i don't know you need to talk to your wife about that all right okay. well anyways that showcases that ability really well because some of my wait wait wait, wait. so which part is he writing well they they're it's, it's i know a, that, i know it's collaborative but yeah so like they i mean that's that's i don't know i don't know how the best we way to, to explain it, it it's yeah, really we went, they, we went back and forth a lot mm-hmm. okay and it's it's done oh man you guys you guys have done an amazing job with it but like <laughs> the character that is uh the third party member um, it's just like some of the best parts of that not that book or is his character's reaction to things i just love it and it's like and it it showcases really i think what you just said there is like he's not he's not i mean he is a primary character insofar as like some of the things but in a lot of the ways i do view him as a as not the main main focus um though he is my main focus because he's freaking hilarious and i love him like not necessarily flavor text kind of character, but somebody who just rounds out the person personalities mm-hmm. yeah, of the yeah, room it's, group. Yeah, uh, he he. God, man, I don't I don't want to talk yeah, too much because like I don't want to spoil it. But it's yeah. like the character that I can use to like soften things a little and like pivot the action and like just throw him into the background getting drunk while like serious things are happening so So, he's a cade and a bard um i mean i don't know about i don't know if you're wrong yeah right like in the context of like the vanguard group if ikora zavala and cade were doing something you know cade's the one in the background who even though he's driving some of the storyline stuff, he's doing it from kind of that I'm not taking charge, but I'm going to go do this anyway kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, that's, that's very much this character, yeah. Okay. But, like, the, the you know, going to the dialogue, the, like, some of the, the quips that are provided, it reminds me a lot of, like, the, the, court, the, the official, like, court jester type thing where, like, you... you you know, for the most part, everyone ignores him, but then, like, there'll be, like, the one thing that he just, like, nails, and it's just, like, you're, like, oh, wait, you actually are paying attention, like, a lot more than people give you credit for, mm-hmm. it's, and that's, you know, that type of dialogue writing, I, I really appreciate, and it's very well done. Nice. That's awesome. Because sometimes when you develop dialogue for NPCs, <laughs> just to come all the way back around... Well, it's really helpful to just let things sit for a while and like collect all the all the excellent quips that you wish you had said during the day <laughs> and just throw them in later. That's fair. Okay, so <laughs> in in this um project or anything that you're writing in this style, are you going back and forth with the primary 
like another person? Are you literally dialoguing back and forth like an RP post would be with basically RP, but a little bit more than just typical RP or not just back and forth, one line, one line, but you're actually giving full scene and descriptive text on what's actually going on in the area? Uh, it depends. I mean, I've tried that. Um, like it, I feel like it's helped a little bit more just collaboratively. Like it's helped to, to do my own thing and then let my collaborator go over it and then vice versa, just to, just to flesh things out, Mm -hmm. um, on both sides. Uh, like I feel like that, that, that also just process then Mm -hmm. trying to schedule out time to, to, do like a play by post kind of format because plus with a play by post kind of format like there tends to be a lot of extra um that you don't necessarily want when you're like writing your mm-hmm. narrative sure interesting yeah because i know like and i think you know I, I always find it interesting looking at uh you know just books in general how if they've been collabor- collaboratively written there are different strategies obviously there and i know a, a really common one that i've seen actually a lot of people do is the whole trading chapters like one person will write one chapter the other person writes the other chapter and then they go back because like you know the writing portion of it is is only half or you know that's only a small part of the actual end project because like you have to you have to get it down but then then comes in the editing and making sure that it flows and so i know a lot of times what they would do uh, with the ones that I've kind of looked at behind the scenes is, you know, whoever wrote the chapter, then the other person or the other people, you know, however many authors you have running on it, but usually it's just two, but like the other person would edit it. And then, you know, then you, you know, and then, or they would write a different version of it and they, you know, they would go back and forth that way. And that way it also allows for a consistent voice, a consistent tone throughout the the work, you know, because if you were, if, you know, if Josh and I were writing a book and he does chapter one, three and five, and I do two, four and six, then I would edit one, three, five, he would edit two, four, six, right. you know, and but then eventually even, you do get a uniform. <clears throat> right. But even then there are examples of, and I'm going to get so much flack for this and I honestly don't care because it is the most basic book, trilogy, whatever it is at this point that could actually say that the back and forth doesn't necessarily have to have similar voice is when you have the each chapter be a separate character's point of view Mm -hmm. of maybe the same event or a different event. And the one I'm thinking of is Twilight in the last book. I think it was the fourth book or whatever. The last book, you're switching perspectives so, so very much. And it's a terrible series that I did read back in college because, you know, back then. I only use it as as fire tender. Um, (laughs) But I will say that that is not an uncommon uh, approach, even for... Uh, Wheel of Time. Wheel of Time was not collaboratively written. It was it was a single, well, mostly single person until you know the main main author Robert Jordan died. Um, and then Brandon but, like, Anderson. And, yeah, yeah, and but even then, the way he wrote that book, each character was its or each chapter was its own um, character brought to the voice and so like he actually and that's actually one of the reasons i really like that book is because each chapter really does have in its own way um a unique uh voice 
you mm-hmm. know, he he still has the same like it's still the same style, if you will. But he has done a really good job with making each chapter unique or each character unique. And I, I think the other thing is like if you were going to do something like that with a collaboration, mm-hmm. what I would probably you know for what it's worth, I would think would make sense is to do like, okay, yeah, but author A always will write for this character. Because then mm-hmm. at least you have a consistency there. Whereas if you're, you know, flipping flipping back and forth, it's, I think it would introduce too many areas of potential discord. Makes sense. I just, that makes me really smile that you say that because I to the listeners and to Josh and uh, Morgan here, I may have semi-forced Brandon Sanderson's Way of Kings series mm-hmm. onto Blue. and it's It took the a while. Very, I don't yeah. know how many years it took her, but... Eh, about a year. About a year of bringing it up every three months or so. The characters are interesting. I will give you that. And it's not like... Mm-hmm. It's... I don't know. Like it, It's... His his I, I guess my bone to pick with him if if I if you can even say that is that I was very um, the way I was introduced to him was because of the whole thing with Robert Jordan and so that was a series that was near and dear and so like it, it's not like he, there there was no hard feelings at all it was more of just like oh I really appreciate I really like this thing and then they're like yeah this person's gonna finish it and it's like okay I know the situation all that. But at the same time, it was like, but I don't want someone else to finish it. I want, you know. Right. So. That's fair. I got nothing. I got, I got, I I got nothing left to say on the episodes about what to say. Join in on that because I don't really write. So I was just enjoying listening to y'all. No worries. You've had like a lot of really good perspectives when it comes to that improvisation and acting. Because even though you may not be writing in the traditional sense of like what josh is doing you still you're still creating that scene and that expose i guess on what's going on especially while dming so your perspective is very much so a part of that same conversation as far as i'm concerned thanks i would agree with that statement actually i mean like to me actually doing the improv thing is more of a challenge than writing which is not to say that writing is not a challenge but i'm much more in the in the wheelhouse of being able to sit down and think okay what is what do i want them to say makes more sense to me when you're dealing with other people you don't really have you can't you don't know what's going to come out of their mouth so you just gotta that's fair yeah go with it which is why it's very uncomfortable for me because i'm like i don't want to do that i don't like then that why but we do a podcast, and we've yeah, had but... Justin on, and <laughs> Willie. <laughs> Who? Justin? Yeah, right. Who's that person? Uh, no. Yeah, just it's going to play that part in that game. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I still want to make this a thing. It could just be a one-shot. I don't care. I just want to watch Justin's mind explode as he gets to act out whatever he wants to do. And just completely take whatever we were doing and turn it into a dragon hunt or something. Just as a as a squirrel bard. As a squirrel you know, bard. You, with you a say that sword. jokingly. You say that jokingly. I'm putting <laughs> it out not... into the universe because I want it to happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. It's 
one of those things where it's like, be careful what you wish for. Mm-hmm. I'm being very careful. <laughs> <laughs> There's a little bit of that evil, like, manipulative writing. No, we always, we always trust We always trust Josh's characters. <laughs> Uh, Blue, what do you think? Do we are we? Uh, let's yeah, let's it? do let's do shout outs. Cool. Uh, Morgan, what about you for for this version for this episode version? Gosh, um, this version of the this podcast, version. You like release one or two? You're like, mm. I'm like, <laughs> no. Um, so you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Serena Basis. Um, you can find me on my podcast. Uh, with Red Death or Pop by the Players, do a lot of game stuff. Josh, what about you? Um, you can find me on Twitter at Infermage, uh, or also as ASMR, the ASMR Whisper Bard. Oh, uh, I- <laughs> that is amazing. I love that. And I do too. So Whisper Bard, I do too. Just. Josh is trying to be pushing that character on us for the longest, and I love this concept. Uh, it's so great. This I hate is- ASMR though, so I'm just like cringing the whole time. One day, one day, it's gonna uh, get up. It'll be so good. <laughs> out of my ears. Get out of my he's ears. Just a, he's just got a feather he takes around and just basically runs his finger over it to, to make just this quietest whisper of a sound. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Oh no. Uh, what was the question? Oh, I'm also, I also have posts on uh, <laughs> the Lore Network. Um, and also, shout out to one of my favorite Destiny Twitter handles is D2 Lost Light, because, of course. <laughs> yeah, you want to talk about somebody moonlighting as a character. What? Blue? What? Are you going to ever Green, let what out about, your what about your, dirty, what about your shout dirty outs? little secret? What about your shout outs, Green? Uh-huh, uh-huh. My shout out goes to, uh, I was recently on Man at Arms podcast, Destiny Unfiltered, this last week, where myself, uh, Boop Cannon, and Wicked Jester, along with Man at Arms, and On Air PC, all talked about the current state of Destiny. There was a lot of cursing. There was a lot of Titan love. Maybe if you held tongues at times, go listen to it. Or, even better yet, go watch it on the recap on YouTube. Blue? Uh, or, just I mean, again, too light, little light. Oh my God! And just uh, again, wanted to wish my my little light uh, happy birthday tomorrow. Uh, so, but yeah, that's that's really. And then just a big shout out to everyone who is playing support role for uh, during this quarantine time. My, namely my wife, she has done amazing at keeping everybody sane and well fed and just everything moving. Um, you know, I think it can't be said enough when that stuff happens, you know, that's usually a lot of times people take that for granted, but it is really appreciated. Uh, but yep, that's, that's what I got. And I just want to say thank you all for your time. And remember with wisdom, we conquer, stand strong, stand tall and keep exploring. 
With that, we'll begin to wrap the chat up. Thank you again to those over on Twitch for coming to spend your evening with us. If you'd like to join us for the live streaming of the episodes, please be sure to give us a follow over on twitch.tv slash focusedfirechat. Links to all our episode archives can be found at www.thelorenetwork.com. Please be sure to email us at focusfirechat at gmail.com with any comments and or questions for the team concerning the podcast, and let us know how we're doing by giving us some feedback and a rating over on iTunes as well. So until next time, focus your fire and may your light shine bright.